Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 26 through chapter 4, verse 7. If there was ever a question of whether or not Jesus came into the world and did unbelievably revolutionary things, this passage is a reminder of that. The Apostle Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Sean has done this before. He's pretty good at this. Hey, good to see you guys. Um, let me pray as we jump into this passage. Um, Sean just read as well. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit would convince us and remind us of who you are and who we are in you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I don't know, like, if if you're if you have like favorite chil- if you have children and one of your favorite children are like the ones that like open up the presents the best. And, like you love giving that child the gift, you know, because they're like spike the box after they open it because they're so excited. Like they just scored a touchdown. Um, I have one of those kids. My youngest son Max is the. Uh, he opens a gift and it's like scree- Like you almost wonder if he likes it because he screams so loud, and then he takes the box and spikes it like he like, scored a touchdown, so he's so excited, he's jacked up. This year he's a little bit older, um, no, no box spiking, so this year we decided to uh, do the Christmas story thing to him, where you kind of, you know, the, remember the Red Rider BB gun, and you know, Ralph, he wanted it, and so his, you know, as they were opening presents, they were finished, and then the dad was like, hey, did you get everything you wanted? And Ralphie was kind of like, oh no, and hey, it's over there in the corner. And Ralphie opened it up. He was jacked up. So my son, all my son Max wanted this Christmas, and this may say a lot about our family, was a boxing, like a, like a punching bag. Like that's all he wanted. to Because he, he wants to be jacked and shredded, his words, not mine, for football. And, um, and so, we, I mean, how do you hide like a 70-pound a punching bag? And so, you know, had it, he came out, and there it was, like, in a box, wrapped up. And I think he knew, he was like, I, I know what that is. But I pulled the, the, you know, the Christmas story move, and I was like, no, that's for your mother, dude. Like, that's not yours. And so at the end, we, um, you know, he was like, I was like, hey, man, did you get everything you wanted? He was like, ah, oh, man, no. I was like, well, there's one more gift right here. And he was super jacked up, tore into it, and then punched it. Like, it was just, it was great. It was, it was super great. Um, this morning, like, we get the privilege of unwrapping Paul's teaching 
on this, on this great, underappreciated doctrine of adoption. Um, the gift of being called sons and daughters um, of the King of Heaven. Um, I spent a lot of time the last two weeks with J.I. Packer, knowing God, rereading that book. Um, and he says this, J.I. Packer, and here, little aside here, I realized as I was rereading this this morning that this introduction is pretty long. I promise you, I will get to my two points, and they're not that long. Like, just like I just want to like get you strap in for that. Um, J.I. Packer writes, um, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Like up until this point in Galatians, Paul has been answering the question, how does someone get right with God? How do you, how do you get right with God? Um, can, can we get right with him by simply giving it over to him or um, just turning over a new leaf or trying harder like, I'm, like I am today? Like January 1st, I'm going to lose weight. I said no to sugar this morning in my coffee. Like, I'm, 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 tr- I'm going to try harder this year so I can fit better in this jacket. Um, Paul, Paul tells us, he tells us no amount of our efforts, no amount of our efforts um, can put us into a right relationship with God. Our only hope, our only hope is the efforts of another. Our only hope is the efforts of another, our faithful king and humble servant, Jesus Christ. It is Christ who lived and died and rose again in mine and your place that we might be justified before God, that we might be made right before him. That's Christ, in Christ, my sins and your sins have been removed and his perfect life has been credited to our account before God, those who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, we, they stand clothed in the matchless robes of the holiness purchased by Jesus. Through faith, you and I are justified, made right with God by grace alone. Remember, like, y'all are good catechism folks right here, right? Like, justification is the act of God's free grace wherein God pardons all our sins. He accepts us as righteous in, his sight, righteous in His sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed, given to us, and received by faith alone. Surely our justification, surely our justification is God declaring us, like dropping the gavel, declaring us not guilty, and being accepted as righteous in His sight, is the is his primary fundamental blessing of is the primary fundamental blessing of the gospel, right? Like that's a big deal. Justification, big deal. We know that, right? However, it's not the highest blessing. It's not the highest blessing. Again, spent some time with J.I. Packer. Packer writes, he says, justification is conceived in terms of law, in viewing God as judge. This free gift 
of acquittal and peace is wonderful enough, but justification does not imply any intimate or deep relationship with God the judge. However, adoption gives us the picture of God the Father. This is a family term conceived in terms of love. To be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. But to be loved and to be cared for by God the Father is a greater thing. Like, think about that. In other words, this morning, we're, we're going to talk about the highest privilege of the, of the Christian life. To be called, to, to be able to call God Father. It's the highest privilege. What a gift to unwrap and to embrace and to spike like you just scored a touchdown. Like, at the end of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, he shows up. Um, he, shows, he shows us that the gospel not only uh, enables us to be in this right relationship to God and with God that is like legally accepted, um, acceptable to Him, but it bestows upon us even this far greater privilege. We are now called sons of God. No longer do we have to mourn the inadequacies of our own earthly fathers. In Christ, we have a heavenly Father with that exceeds our earthly fathers in every way. No longer do we have to crave relationships with other people so that we can feel loved. Because we are sons of God, we are as loved as we will ever be. And no longer do we have to fear God as this control freak. Like, we can see His hands, His hand gently disciplining us because he actually loves you and I. By no means am I a perfect father. Like, the reason I didn't bring my children here today, because I didn't want to hear them say amen when I said that. Like, by no means am I a perfect father. I yell at my kids. I am selfish. I do not share my food. Um, I am not patient. Uh, I fail in keeping promises. I fail to be an example before them over and over again. And my sons constantly remind me that I snore very loud. Um, in Christ, they have, look, look by, my, my, my kids will not, do not have to mourn my inadequacies anymore. Because they have, in Christ, they have a Heavenly Father who exceeds me in every way. Our adoption, being called sons and daughters, and having the privilege of calling the maker of heaven and earth Father is the gospel's highest privilege. It really is. I remember my wife Trina and I uh, going to our first general assembly, PCA journal. So if you don't know what the, the general assembly is, when the, our denomination gets together once a year in the summer, um, wherever it is in the country, uh, and we talk about the church, the church denomination and deal with all those great, exciting things that we do there, if you are familiar with it. So fun. Um, really, it's really fun. Um, Y'all are a tough crowd. Um, but, but it really is fun. I really love seeing my friends and, and all that stuff. But I remember that first trip, and we, uh, we got into our, at the time, our pastor. I was working in Jackson, Mississippi, and our pastor was Darwin Jordan. Um, 
and my wife, we didn't have kids, and we piled up in their old Suburban and drove to Dallas. And I remember um, as we were approaching, approaching Shreveport, Louisiana, and we had their youngest child was under a seat in the third seat, you know, back somewhere in our luggage. And, and I remember um, as we were approaching Shreveport, Kay Jordan, the pastor's wife, turned to Trina and I and said, this is where we met John Darwin for the first time. And, and, and then, at the, like, as soon as John heard that, the little boy in the back, he like crawled up over the seats and he lit up and he was like, Mom, tell me that story again. And, and, uh, and she proceeded to tell us um, that story of how her and her husband got this phone call in the middle of the night that this baby boy was born in Shreveport and how he needed a home and how they drove in the middle of the night to pick him up that morning, the next morning to make them their own. And I remember looking at John Darwin's face like he was just, it was just pride. He lit up as he heard his, his mom and dad talk about how they went after him and made him their own. Like, it's so good to be reminded. So good for you and me to be reminded of, of who we belong to. Who we belong to and how our F- Heavenly Father actually came after us and made us His child. Um, I know that I need to be reminded of that every day. Um, every day. Like, that I'm a son of of the Father in heaven, and he came after me, and he loves me, and he's actually for me. So I know that's a long introduction. Two points um, that are, I think it's in your bulletin. Um, two points, how God has prepared us for this gift of adoption, and then how God has given us the privilege of adoption. So let's talk about this first point real quick. How God has prepared us for this for the, for the unwrapping of this gift of adoption. Look with me again in verses 1 through 3. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Paul was referring to like the whole Old Testament period as this time of infancy, um, when we were not of age yet. Like during this time, even though we in, we were entitled to like all of the privileges of being children of God, we could not experience all of those blessings. Rather, it was a time of trustees and guardians. That is. We, we were under the tutelage of the law then. The law was part of, of God's redemptive history in which he showed the world how badly it actually needs a Savior because we couldn't keep the law. Um, and like, like a trustee or a guardian, the law cannot impart life. It can't give life. It can only carry out orders. And, and, and that is exactly what the law does. It passes judgment on all those who trust, who, 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 who cannot keep the law. 
um, even through, even though the promise of the inheritance remained, in th- those in the Old Testament were not able to experience the fullness of their inheritance. It was a time of slavery, and Paul says that this slavery was to be was to was to be was blah, blah, man could not get that out. Um, was um, the principle the the the, pr- the basic principles of the world? That was a t- like, I don't know why I couldn't get that out. Um, what does what does he mean by that? Being the basic principles of the world, the slavery was the basic principles of the world. Like his point is that while we were without Christ, um, we lived under the bondage. We lived under this bondage because it was easy to think of our salvation as being um, as a reward to be earned, um, and, and not as this gift to be received. It, this is the basic principle of the world that of salvation by works, basically. So, so what God was doing in this age um, of the law was preparing his people and the Gentiles for this adoption that was going to take place. Even though like it was promised, like they were the rightful heirs of this, they could not experience their sonship yet. Um, it was a time of preparation. It was a time of preparation, a time too long for that thing that was promised. In verses 4 and 5, Paul shows us that in addition to needing this time of preparation, like our adoption could not be ushered in until it had been actually provided for. Like notice like what he says in verse 4 and 5. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Like, I had lunch with a father a few years ago uh, that, that I knew that he had adopted two, two of his children. Uh, and I asked him to tell me their story, and he told me about his little girl uh, that he got from China. Um, and, 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 and he was telling me how Things had gotten pretty tight to adopt someone from China back then, and and so, and and the, I guess the country was getting harder and harder, and it was pretty expensive, uh, and, and so, as they were seeking adoption, they found you know it was harder than they thought. So they they were like, they both prayed about it. They're like, we want to adopt a child with special needs, um, and and they separately got this. They apparently got this list of of children and their pictures. And they separately chose this little girl. Um, and they started to, this long process to begin to prepare for the possibility of this new, beautiful baby girl to join their family. Um, and when it came, when it came, um, when the time came after doing all that was necessary, to, all the paperwork and paying all the people and all the stuff they had to do to provide for this adoption, they went after her. They got on a plane went to China, and he explained to me that when he arrived in China, the people over there were like taken back by the fact that why would you want this child with special needs? Um, and, and, uh, and Because in that culture where the demand was of perfection was so high, they couldn't fathom why anyone would want someone who wasn't perfect. Just, just as this family 
went to great lengths to provide for the adoption of this beautiful little girl, so also did your heavenly Father. So did God when he provided for your adoption and my adoption in Jesus Christ. Like when the time had fully come, God sent his son. Um, like in what is emphasized here is, is that the son was perfectly qualified to accomplish our redemption and he came after us. He was born of a woman. He was the God-man born under the law. He, was perfect, he perfectly fulfilled the requirements of the law to redeem those under the law. He was uniquely qualified to buy us back from our bondage so that you and I might receive the full rights of sons and daughters the highest privilege of the gospel offers like to be uh, to be sons like to know and to call him father like do you realize the great links and cost it was to god to adopt you to make you his own like i i do think and i and i do this like i forget like that god has adopted me um, i forget about that like he, that he knew everything about me. He knew everything about me. He knew we were children with special needs. Uh, he knew my sin. He knew my failures. He knew my broken promises. He knew my, about my pride and my selfishness and that I snore. Like He knew all these things, and God knew everything there was to know about his children, and he still adopts us, and he still makes us his own. Like Paul reminds us that we were we were who we were before we were adopted. He reminds us of that. We were slaves. We were orphans under the law. Uh, you know, I think we like to imagine ourselves just the opposite a lot of times. I don't know if you remember this, the old commercial, um, this old commercial where the boy is picking the basketball teams on the, on the school playground. And, and as he, um, he makes his way, and he picks all his friends he settles for the last guy standing, and it's Kobe Bryant, this NBA all-star, and he settles for him. Um, and, I, and I think this is a picture of ourselves. Like, we think we are all Kobe Bryants, like we're all all-stars, that we're pretty good being picked for this game of salvation, and, and God is pretty lucky to have us on, on his team um, because we're really good, because we think we're really good. And Paul says, we weren't good picks. You actually, you and I weren't good picks. We could, we weren't even desirable. Like, we couldn't dribble the ball. Um, we couldn't make simple layups. All we shot when we shot were bricks. Like I, like we thought. Like I, I parked under one of the basketball goals, and and it said unbreakable glass or unbreakable shatterproof glass. I was, and I thought to myself, oh, I'll break that glass. I will dunk on that and crush that. Like, we all think that. Our sin makes us pretty sorry. It makes us sorry. It, he describes us as slaves being held captive by the law and imprisoned. We weren't able to be free. We were in bondage by our own choosing. God did not, God did not merely travel to another country to redeem people like himself, but rather Christ came from heaven and became man to redeem those who were utterly unlike himself. 
Do you see the drama of your redemption? Our, our adoption did not come easy, but only as the infinite God became incarnate in His Son, Jesus Christ, and lived perfectly under the law and satisfied all the law's demands for our unrighteousness. He that knew no sin became sin for us. There is no greater love than that. It is for that, for this reason that the Apostle John breaks out in song and praise in his epistle when he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called sons of God. Do you see the love of the Father is in, in his sending his son to get you, to make you his own? Like, do you realize that? But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now let me hit this last point. How God has given us the privilege of adoption uh, George Robertson, he's the pastor of uh, Second Pres, and years and years ago, I think it was, he was in Augusta, he, he, tells this, he, he tells this story in one of his sermons in Romans 8 about this guy named John Acoff who grew up being shifted from one set of parents to another. Um, his own parents told him every morning, we hate you, John. We wish you, we wish you were never born. Like That's what he heard every morning. Um, once John lived with his aunt and uncle who reluctantly accepted him. Um, they were having a birthday party at one point in the house and he heard the laughter and the partying going on and he walked in the room and he, tell, and he says that, um, that everybody stopped talking, it went silent, and his aunt looked at him and said, get out of here, John. This party is for the family. Finally, he ended up in an abandoned car living in the middle of a field. And he was at the end of his rope. Uh, and more than anything, he wanted someone just to love him. And for some reason, this is weird. Like, I love these stories. Like For some reason, in this abandoned car, there was a Bible. Um, and for some reason, that day, he opened, he opened it one day, and it fell open to Romans eight, fifteen. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And John was thrilled as he, as he read this, and he, and he prayed this simple prayer as he read this. He said, God, if you would be my daddy, I won't tell nobody. Because I wouldn't want to embarrass you. And then it says, and he says, he understood just as clearly as God had said it. He understood this. He, he, he said, as soon as he said that, he understood that God said to him, John, I want everybody to know that you're my son. Like, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. There, there, there are probably a few John Acoffs in this room. And none of us have, by mean, have, we, we, there's some pretty good fathers in this room. There's not perfect fathers in this room. We've all experienced the pain of someone not loving us. Um, the way that we should. The good news of Galatians is the same news that comforted John Acoff in Romans. 
Because you are sons, God sent His Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you no longer, you are no longer a slave, but you're a son. Not only has God prepared for our sonship, He provided for our sonship. Like He also has given us the privilege to be, to be called sons of God. Like He wants everybody to know it and, and know that about you. He tells us, you are my sons and daughters. Like what does that mean? What does that mean? No longer a slave under the law. No longer in a period of infancy. We have full access now to the Father by the Spirit, whereby we can actually call Him Daddy. We have all rights of being the, the heirs of heaven. Therefore, no matter what kind of father you may have had, there's one father who has been at work for thousands of years so that you could one day call Him Daddy. What remains for you to do? What remains for you to do? Only this. Enjoy the great privilege that is yours in being a son and daughter of God. Enjoy it. Do not live any longer as if your identity depended on this world. Don't live as this world, like your identity is dependent upon this world. So often people are looking to other relationships, to money, to something else to satisfy those needs. In the end, these things are just ways that we're not resting in God's love um, that He has for us in Christ. Like we turn to the basic principles of this world and we, and we think a husband or a wife or friends or our children or whatever money stuff that we have, our, our security... We, we think that secures it for us. However, the truth is that none of those things can be the resting place of our identity. We need to realize that we are as loved as we could ever be in Christ. You, some of you just didn't hear that. Like, you are as loved as you will ever be in Jesus. That is, let that soak in. And so our response should be, to rest in our elder brother, Christ, who has worked in our place. Do not fear any longer that God is not for you. Like he, that the, fear that He's against you. Realize instead that He has made you His son and da- or daughter, and He is your daddy. And he, can't, he can only do things that work toward your good. And finally, I'll say this, finally... Like, realize the great treasure which is yours in eternity for all those who are children of the King. Like, there, there is joys forevermore to be had by the children of God. Look, um, there's no higher privilege. There's no higher privilege in all of Christian life than to be called sons and daughters of God. Like, it's not, it's not more fundamental uh, than justification, but it does surpass justification and blessing. After all, justification makes us like makes one acceptable before God, 
but only adoption enables one to call God the Almighty Daddy. He says, you are my child. Not only have uh, we been declared acceptable in his sight, we are now sons and daughters of the King of Heaven. I don't care how young or how old you are, that's great news. That deserves a box being spiked, like excited about, punch the punching bag for that reality. What a Christmas gift to be reminded of who we are in Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace toward us and who you are as our Father. How you purchased our salvation. How you came after us. Father, help us to believe it. As we come into this new year, help us to believe that you really are our Father who cares for us, who loves us, who is for us. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his birth. We thank you for his life and his death and his resurrection. In your name we pray. Amen.